You're listening to the Uncensored Direct Marketing Show. This show is designed for direct response marketers who want raw, unfiltered conversion tips and secrets to scale their offers profitably to reach their next million. I'm Maria Sparagas. I'm the founder of Direct Paynet and your host. Now let's dive in. Everybody, thank you for joining us today on Uncensored Direct Marketing. I'm very excited to have an awesome guest today, Stefan Georgi from Copy Accelerator. And uh, probably if you bought a product online in the last five years, I would say Stefan either wrote it, copy chiefed it, or helped find the writer for it. So um, I'm super excited to, to kind of dig in everything copywriting and and ads and offers. Uh, Stefan, I hope I did you justice with that intro. Uh, I think you're a brilliant marketer and I would like you to say a couple of things to our audience about what you do. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. No, that you did do justice indeed. And I'm um, really glad to be here. Thank you for having me, Maria. And yeah, so I'm a direct response copywriter, a marketer, an entrepreneur. I do probably too many things, uh, but the big crux of it is helping both businesses and freelancers to sell more of their products and reach more customers and grow their businesses uh, primarily through the written word and sales funnels. And that's really at the crux of what I do. I think that that's, that's, that's minimizing what you do stuff. And I'm going to, I'm going to come in here and say some more. So, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll explain how I, how I know you for our audience. So I'm part of copy accelerator. Um, it was so random. I just, Justin and I worked together briefly. Justin is uh, Stefan's partner on Copy Accelerator. Uh, I think it was through Ty, uh, Ty Buckles, who used to work for, for Shoe Money. Um, I was introduced to, to Justin and he needed a merchant account back then and he was starting his business and so forth. And then I, I kind of came up and saw him on social media and started following him. And I was just in the place where my business wasn't, I was just kind of doing the mom and the entrepreneur thing, which was getting me like super, I just didn't know how to balance my life. Basically. I didn't know how to be a mom, a good mom and be a, and be a, an entrepreneur at the same time. I always just did the entrepreneur thing and never focused on anything else. Um, and I came uh, across Copy Accelerator. I came to your event. It, what was it? September 2019. I don't know if that was, was that your first event? It was. Yeah. Okay. So I came to your first event and there was this insane energy in there. It was just like everybody from like my past life, from like uh, old affiliate summits and just the people who, who have been there for a really long time and a couple of new people peppered in there that added some variety. Uh, and I joined in and I came and I came home and I told uh, my husband, I told my friends, you know, my family had joined a, a copywriting uh, mastermind and everybody was like, <laughs> why? <laughs> and I was like, I just want to be in the winner's circle. I want to be around who's doing the hot offers. What are they doing? And I, I always like to to know what's happening in my industry. So I felt like, you know, this is going to be a good place for me to be able to get a lot of tips and, and, and tricks that are working to help my clients too. So, um, I, I thank you for, for starting that program and, you know, for, I'm happy that I, that I came in and it's my second year. Um, and it just gets better and better. And besides the fact that, you know, obviously you're the, the mastermind of copy accelerator. Um, I also think that one thing that you, you didn't say that you should mention is how much you help people. 
so Stefan, I mean, I don't know. I just find you're always connecting people and making sure people are making money. And I think that's the the, the key to the success of Copy Accelerator, um, connecting somebody who who needs to somebody who wants. So, um, you know, I, I definitely commend you for not just having this like program and just kind of sitting back. You're actually, you know, personally uh, have made a lot of intros for me, um, you know, and, and recommended me when it's time and even, you know, connecting me with copywriters when I needed help. So I feel like it's a community of people just kind of in the know that help each other. Um, and you and Justin are obviously at the the forefront of that. And I, I feel like you, you're just as, as the time goes on, and obviously I've known you for, for a couple of years now, um, you just keep on getting better at helping people. I mean, I, I hope, I hope, uh, you know, I, I'm giving you a good intro because I, I just want the audience to really understand that, you know, Steph is not just a business owner and somebody who sells products. I, I see a lot of people writing stuff about you and saying stuff about you. And, you know, I, I, I definitely uh, think most of it is good, but um, you know, if for anybody, for any naysayers, I mean, I think you should definitely just follow Stefan and see what he's about and how much he helps people. Um, and kind of getting to my question now, um, I hope I gave you a nice intro, but I, getting to the question is, is basically integrity. Um, and this has been something that's come up a lot in the last, I think, six months. I'm starting to see a lot of people saying, oh, well, you can't sell anything, um, with integrity, you're always, now it's, it's kind of like, you always have to do these black hat offers and hidden cross sales, hidden upsells and all that stuff. So I want to know what your, your thoughts are on, you know, uh, where the industry started, where it's going and how we can build, uh, you know, uh, integrity into copywriting and offers. I'm like a community builder too, right? I actually really enjoy that and appreciate that and, um, get value from it and connecting people. And so, uh, that's probably one of the most fulfilling things that I do. I'm glad you're part of our community regarding, Integrity. Um, where did the industry start? You know, I wasn't there at the at the birth of the Genesis because I, you know, I'm kind of late to the party, like 2000, like 11. Um, but you know, it was the Wild West for a long time. And I think if you just look at a um, levels of of self reflection and ethical awareness, I think that right now you're starting to see a large change in that industry where uh, people are, are having a lot of marketers are, are having this kind of like look in the mirror type moments and, and, you know, actually wondering if they're marketing the right way or not. Um, you know, like when we talk about like integrity and, and for example, like let's talk about a lot of these, like um, there's a lot of like product offers and funnels out there that are really, you know, it's like a fake sto sensational story about like a magical cure basically. Right. And magical cure could be weight loss. It could be health related. It can be financial. It can be making money. It can be, um, you know, one of anything like relationships, like any man or any woman just comes to you in the snap of the fingers. It's sort of like the, the, there's a lot of those offers that are, you know, sensational, they're made up and then they're making very, very large claims that are not reasonably, you know, the average person who buys a product shouldn't really reasonably expect to experience the benefits that are being promised in the marketing. Right. And that's been going on for like forever. But I think you're, yeah, you're starting to see a bit more of a reckoning. There are more people speaking up and questioning if that's really right or not. Because I, I think one of the big, when you come into the industry, I think for me, like I, so I did all that, by the way, complete ownership, right? I totally wrote tons of copy that was like that. And I thought, oh my God, like I'm, I'm getting paid to make up these crazy stories and this is so fun. And, um, you know, like, I'm like, oh my gosh, people like are going to believe this and really buy this product. And it wasn't like trying to sell bullshit products. I always like, thought the products were pretty good, 
Um, but you know, I knew in my heart of hearts probably that the claims weren't going to match with the experience. But the justification was always like, well, you know, there's certain people who will get this product really actually use it like they're supposed to and will get those results. Um, and that is, I think, you know, true for almost any product I've written for. Some exceptions that were probably just full on bullshit. And I didn't, again, not really intentional. But the point is, I, I don't want to say that I'm, you know, I, I've, I've been that same person. But but I think I'm also very empathetic to it, maybe because I was that person in that I don't think most of the marketers and copywriters who are doing that stuff, they're not coming from a, they're truly not coming from a malicious place, right? They're coming from a place of like, I'm going to get paid to do this and I get to be creative and it's fun and all that. And they don't think about the consequences, but I think people recently have pointed out the consequences of, you know, that that can be negative. Maybe it's not good karma. Maybe that's not a good way to market, but the idea that marketing is like dead or you can't sell anything, you know, that, that to me is where people go overboard and it's kind of just bullshit. Like, you know, like you go buy a car at the dealership and then when you go to sign the lease papers and they're like, oh, do you want the tire protection? What about the tint package? Do you want this? It's like, those are upsells. What we get, are they, they're unethical because they try and sell you more stuff when you walk out the door? Like, you know, I can cost on here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Get the fuck <laughs> out of here, right? Unscripted, uncensored. Except for when it comes to language. You know, um, and like, you know, all marketing is, is storytelling and myth-making and things like that. So I think that there's a, I really think the problem to, and, and I actually think it's getting better. And most of the people, even in Copy Accelerator, right, are um, building real brands and they're actually very conscious about the claims they're making and they're doing that. So I think, I honestly think that the industry is already getting better. I think there's some big outliers or some big players who are having a lot of success with very sensational marketing and people yeah. point to them and kind of feel like the problem's worse than it's ever been. I actually think the problem is uh, smaller. It's getting better than it has at any point and it's continuing to get better. Um, and, you know, I, so... I don't know. I, I think that uh, marketing is great. I think people just—it's good we're having these conversations. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I'm—I'm I'm in a—I'm not the squeakiest, cleanest person either in my industry. And I think, um, you know, everybody who critiques and so forth, especially people who are not in the industry, uh, I, I'm going to say that it's very hard, or I can't find one example of a very, very successful person that I know that has not done something that. Mm, maybe went cross the line a little bit and so forth. Like in the early days of, uh, you know, adult and so forth, like everybody was ripping everybody's content. I know it's not ethical, but people were doing it. And then, you know, eventually you clean up. I'm not saying it's a justification, but um, it's sometimes it's a means to an end to get to, to where you want to go and you try to make it work and you're not doing it because you want to rip people off or you want to, you know, steal a whole bunch of people's money or kill people with this product. So um, I find that, you know, obviously we have to, we have to change, but integrity, you know, it, it in, in the practices, I feel like it's evolving, you know, like what was, and I think selling products like in 2009 or 2010, when I was starting my business, you know, there was the whole uh, acai or Akai, or I don't know what the hell that was that and resveratrol. And, and I think that even the pages that were converting back then, if you put them back on now, like people who were doing like millions, seven figures a month, if you put the pages up now, they would sell nothing. Yeah. Because the consumer is getting smarter anyway. So like we can't underestimate that, you know, being having more integrity is now going to also translate into consumers getting smarter because they don't want the outlandish claims and so forth. So I think everybody's kind of just evolving. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, again, like I said, I don't think anybody I know in the marketing space in the last 12 years that I've been has done everything by the book. It's just impossible. I think sometimes to, you want to test certain things and see what works. And sometimes you do something that's not, you know, 
too much on the up and up, but then you adjust it to, to make it, you know, if you see that something's converting, you can adjust to make it, you know, uh, better. So anyway, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of people outside of the space that have a lot of comments on that, but, um, you know, I don't want to be too controversial here, but I do because it's uncensored and that's what we're talking about. Um, kind of skipping ahead towards, um, another topic that I'm very interested in talking to you about. This is, this is like just a really personal thing that I'm, I'm curious about. So, I'm not a copywriter. Obviously, I'm in in in, in um, the company of some great ones in Copy Accelerator and just in my business. Now we have email copywriters, sales copywriters, we have ad people and whatever. How how did you first? I feel like you know how to do everything. So how did you train yourself to do everything? And for people listening, how would you say like where should people start if they want to you know be a copywriter? Should they focus on one and which one? And just give us some tips on, on that. For sure. It's, it's a great question. Um, a lot of the time people, especially copywriters early on, hear that they have to find a niche. So a niche being like a category, right? Like, oh, I'm a health copywriter. I'm a financial copywriter. I'm an email copywriter. I write sales letters, like, all that. Um, I, and I personally don't really like that advice. There's some caveats we'll get into those in a second as we talk about where to start. So, I mean, they, for me personally, I just, like when I discovered that people were paying me money to write, it was like, you know, just winning the lottery right there. So I uh, had a corporate job in South Florida. Um, it was my last job I ever had. And as soon as I got paid to write, I like put in my notes for that job and, and I quit. And I was like, oh, that's it. Like I, you know, <laughs> the belief factor, you know, exploded. You're like, oh my God, it's actually something that I can get paid to do. Um, but, you know, then it wasn't, I quit very quickly and didn't have like a whole kind of pipeline of clients or anything like that. So I was on Elance, which is today uh, Upwork. And I would just, take on any gig you can imagine. So I did tons of content writing, like SEO content. I wrote web copy. I worked for, I wrote for um, one of the largest providers of free PL, like third-party logistics, um, like white glove last mile. So the very last mile from like the warehouse to your house. And they put it all, you know, assembled the furniture. Um, this yeah. company, you know, like a fortune 500 company, I wrote a bunch of their web copy, but through an agency that hired me, it wasn't like, I wasn't some rock star. Um, but, you know, I mean, dude, like everything, like beauty, um, like IT servers, virtual servers, like uh, you name it and in all types of formats. And, and basically whenever people came to me and either I applied for jobs, I was just like, oh yeah, I can do this. I'm really good at this. Even if I had no idea, honestly, um, or people would <laughs> Fake ask. Fake it till you make it. <laughs> That's totally what I did hundred percent. And, um, or people would they'd hire me to write like blogs for them. I do a good job and they'd be like, oh, thanks for our website, you know, guy um like you know quit like we you know how to build websites and i'd be like oh yeah i'm the best at building websites <laughs> and people are like you know how to use wordpress and I, so i used to do like i used to be able to crush it with wordpress and like do html and all this stuff um the point being though it's just like being open to everything early on i think is really important like i, I i'm a big believer in diverse experiences and like all aspects of life like you know when it comes to, like i don't really read business books i read like history or read like a novel or stuff like that like i think you draw from experiences that are very diverse and then they make you a better stronger person and the same comes from from marketing and copywriting so um that's how i did it and i think in general for people who are starting out with copywriting they should do the same thing um if you're gonna you know if you're trying to make money as a copywriter I definitely don't think you need to, to find a niche. I, I think honestly, sometimes the best advice is really go get hired as a content writer because it's really pretty easy to get hired as a content writer, which yeah. is like annoying kind of, right? And you're not going to get paid that much. Maybe you get paid $15, like an article or a page or, you know, 20. But, you know, if you can start writing 
And at an hour, okay. I mean, if you're if you're broke right now, right, and you start getting paid twenty dollars an hour, that's forty thousand a year, which is better than most jobs you're going to get coming out of college, or even for a lot of people in America, their entire lives, right? Yeah. Um, and so, plus, okay, now you're getting paid to write, so you're thinking of yourself as a professional writer. You're writing headlines. You get good headlines for every article or piece of content you write. You need subheaders. You need a good opening sentence. I actually think like starting with content writing can be a really beneficial thing. And if you're really not going to do that, because you feel like a little more advanced and you kind of know about copywriting and you just want to, you know, go into that world, then generally email copy is the easiest because it's short. Um, you'll learn how to write really long form copy. Like I have a whole methodology to that, the RBC method. But I've had people get good really fast, but really fast can be like a couple months, right? And that is really yeah. fast. But email, it's like you could just, if you really look at what's working and just copy it, basically like model off of it, um, you know, you can start writing really good emails in a couple of weeks. Um, so probably start with email copies, the best place to start. Okay. Well, I mean, that's interesting. I, I hear, I hear the two schools of thought. I hear people say, stick to a lane, pick one thing and just kind of crush it. And now you're saying something very interesting. I'm, I'm in your mindset. Like when I was early on in my career, especially like when I was getting jobs, like I was offered the job at, at Pornhub. It was like, um, Hey, do you want to come work for a porn company? I'm like, yeah, right. I was like, I don't know anything about this. I don't even know. I don't even know what SEO is. I have no idea anything. So uh, sometimes limiting yourself is actually going to, and then I learned about payments from there. So it was like, had I not taken that job, that was like, I was going to, I was the affiliate manager. I was like, what am I going to sell people? Like, I don't, I don't get this, but um, not having taken that job would not have led me to the path that I'm here today. So I feel like sometimes there's the advice is always like, pick something, be specific, just stick, stick, stick to it. But I think at the onset, you just have to be kind of like do anything, you know, like, like you said, be a content writer or whatever um, and just, you know, do the best that you can. And I think in general, like when I hire people, or I'm sure when you hire people, it's like, if you feel like somebody's willing to try and, and like fix what they're doing and listening to advice, like you're going to work with them again. You know, they'll, they'll, if they fix it, obviously if they give you something shitty and say, give me my hundred bucks, then that's it. But, um, so it's very interesting. So you would say email copywriting is like the easiest skill and then long form sales. How about ads, like writing ads, like what kind of skills do you need for that? Or like, I guess it's different than email. Does it convert the same you think, or yeah, I think that, and, and and just to finish that one thought on that too, because yeah, I think well, today I write 90% health copy, right? So I am niched down and I'm like probably like the most, I don't know, the, the most successful active health copywriter, right? I can't think of anybody who does more of it, has more wins than me and anything like that. Um, and like, that's not braggadocious, it's just where I'm at today. But like, I, you know, it took a long time of doing a bunch of other stuff to get to there. So the point you can niche, I mean, right, you do payment processing, right? Like you're niched down now, but like early on, yeah, like to your thing, it's like, if you close every other door around you, you're just closing all these other opportunities. And I think it's important to, um, to be open to opportunities as you're, uh, you know, coming into this world. Uh, yeah, I think, I think ads are, are kind of on the same level as emails. I think that ads are maybe a little bit, just, I don't know, maybe I'd rank them as slightly more difficult. We're talking like Facebook ads type stuff, right? Um, yeah. I think a lot of it honestly comes down to having to be so hypersensitive with the language you're using. Cause like, you know, what we call compliance. Cause again, let, let, let's, let's operate from the world the assumption that we want everything we do to be compliant, like ethically compliant, right? Legally yeah. compliant. But then there's like Facebook compliance, which is not ethical or illegal. Facebook compliance is like fucking Facebook's it's algorithm insane. woke up on the wrong side of the bed. And you said like, you know, you're tired of, and they said, mm -mm, your whole account's banned. And you're like, what the, 
like what the fuck right um i mean it's crazy and it's like at friends of like jewelry stores that like get banned you know people do like everyone gets banned on facebook it's it's the worst um facebook just wants it's like they need the money so they kind of let let it slide but they like want to just have like be tv they want to be tv from like when tv like when it was just like like broadcast big brands messaging yeah. stuff with no direct response like no calls to action basically except for to like visit a website and view some like boring ass content I mean, honestly, like Facebook stocks down today. I've been a Facebook stockholder for a long time. I'm for the first first time in my life, like pretty seriously thinking about dumping my Facebook stock because I kind of, I just don't, I'm not, again, not a recommendation. This is not financial advice. No, no, right? I, this is this is what we're doing. We're going to be starting giving people advice on fin- on their finances too. That's the unscripted part. So everybody Ooh. dump your Facebook stock. <laughs> just, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, but like, interesting that you say that. Yeah, I just don't think Facebook is, um, I, you know, unless you have a drastic shift um, and I think the thing is there's other opportunities and avenues now, whether it's like TikTok or YouTube or whatever else. I mean, yes, Facebook's really big and they own like Instagram and they have virtual reality and there's other reasons to like them, but I just, you know, I don't know. I, I think Facebook's had their heyday. So the point of that being with writing a good Facebook ad, um, I think just because you have to be so careful of everything you say and I think email is even easier coming up because you don't have to be quite so like uh, restrained. You're not as worried about the yeah. algorithm, you know, hating you suddenly and, and screwing yourself or your client over. Yeah. I mean, I find that I, I'm starting to hear a lot, like a lot of disdain against uh, Facebook and, you know, there's, there are a lot of other avenues, but people still kind of want to stick to Facebook because there's a lot of traffic there and stuff like that. But writing an ad, I feel on Facebook, I mean, maybe I'm, I'm just not like an expert in this. I feel like the ad buyer, the person who's actually buying the traffic and, and really honing in to who the audience is, is actually even more important than the ad copy. So it's almost like in order to, to write good ads, you have to buy, like be a good traffic buyer. Like, would you say that's accurate? Like what's your experience with that? I don't think you, I don't think you have to be a great track. I think it was helpful. I, I would say, I'm honestly all the best media buyers I know though, are actually very much like, copy focus and they'll always be like it's actually like really just like the copy and like the image basically um okay. but then, i mean and that's them oversimplifying it because yeah they know how to do the targeting they're they're being smart if they're like ad sets and their budgets and all that kind of stuff um but you know they feel like generally actually feel like copy is like one of the, the hardest parts and the most important parts for them so i, I think copy is still really important um but yeah you need both i don't know i mean buying your media is kind of, you know, it's tough. So I don't know. I don't know. It's, um, I think, I think there's both sides to that for sure. Yeah. I mean, copywriting and media buying to me kind of goes hand in hand. Like you can have a great copywriter and a shitty media buyer and, and you're, you're back to square one and it's right. the opposite's true, you know? So it's, uh, I think that these two, these two, I guess, jobs or, I mean, a lot of people do this as gig is, is probably, uh, a good trend to be on right now, especially when, you know, people are looking for new, uh, new avenues to make money. Um, in terms of your, your top three advice, like I know that we spoke about, uh, you know, opening up yourself in, in many lanes, but like, let's say you were to say, um, somebody who's maybe a couple of years in the industry and is looking for a little bit of insight, like on how to get jobs, how to get better payments, how to get, how to charge more and all that. Like, I mean, I see a lot of people, I know you have that group on, on Facebook. That's like the not copy accelerator one. That's just Justin and and, right. and you, um, Justin and Stefan talk copy. Is that it? Yeah. 
Yeah. So I see a lot of people on there. I'm in that group. I, I can't, you know, obviously I, I read randomly when I'm on, on uh, social media. Um, but there's a lot of talk about like what you should be charging, how to say no and stuff like that. And it seems like there's a lot of this, like, don't back down, whatever you charge, charge where sometimes as a business owner, I read, I read some of that and I'm like, you know, why don't you try doing something for free once in a while? You know what I mean? Like I'm not, I'm not trying to minimize anybody's effort or whatever, but if you, you have less than a couple of years of experience and you have to explain to people why you're charging a certain amount, like Stefan George, I goes and says 50 K for a sales letter. I don't think people are gonna be like, oh, can you make it 45? Like, you know what I mean? Like you have the name, you, you have the reputation, but if you have to sit there and explain to somebody why you're worth something, maybe like as a, you know, side note, it's, it's, start working for free or start working for a smaller amount until you could prove yourself that you have that. I don't know. Do you think that's valid? I feel like there's a lot of talk on how much should I charge? And it's such a hard thing because even myself, when I, you know, I have like people write blogs and stuff like that. I never know what is the right amount to pay people for this. I'm like, some people are come with like, I'll do this for 1500 bucks. And then I get somebody else who says here, I'll do it for a hundred. And I'm like, such a weird thing. I'm like, I don't even know why I'm getting all these wildly different prices. So what are your thoughts on like paying and, and, and setting your rates and all that stuff? That's a, an awesome question. Um, and yeah, there was just a thread about it too. Somebody who was sharing how they had a, a potential client who had, um, like been basically, you know, like, uh, you're charging too much. Like I'll, you know, I can pay other people different amounts of money and, and people were coming in right away. Like, you're like, fuck that guy, you know, but, uh, but I, and I put a response, I'm like, you know, I'm like, well, if you have like the track record and the case studies and you're like a proven writer, then yeah, like fuck that guy. And like, um, you know, like, you know, keep charging what you're charging or charge more. I was like, but if you don't, then be way less worried about what you're being paid today and be like way more worried about, you know, getting wins, right. Like, and, and, and gain experience and just getting wins for clients. I think that's the part where people, some people skip it. Um, and even people who've been in the industry for a few years, it's like, I don't want to be a dick, but I'm going to do it. Fuck it. Right. Um, so you come in a couple of years ago, you keep just like, you never really improved yourself. Like you just read a bunch of shit, but you're not like, you read a couple of books early on. You're in some fucking Facebook groups. So you like hang around the Facebook group and talk about shitty clients and that kind of stuff. And like occasionally comment on, but people are like, Oh, what do you think about this headline? You comp nobody really likes it, but in your head, you're like, yeah, you know, like, I'm an, I'm an old veteran now. Like I deserve a lot. It's like, no, you fucking don't, right? Like, what are your wins doing? Like, there's the people on um, like those job boards. Like I, I somebody pointed out to me early on where I was trying to hire copywriters. This is, this is before copy accelerator. Um, and I put in one a, a group and, and basically all the writers who applied, like, you know, like sucked or like they were very hit or miss. Some of them didn't suck, but it was like they'd had a couple wins that, and they had terrible bombs too. And then somebody was like, Yeah, like if people were like lurking this job board, you know, um, like generally the people who are experienced are doing that. Like there's a reason that they're free and looking for jobs, right? If you're a newbie, that's one thing. Totally get it. But for the more experienced people, um, but the way you, you, you solve all that is like by just getting really fucking good, right? Like actually getting better. Like you're not owed anything, even after three years, like, or five years, you're not owed anything. If you're not getting wins and results for people and you're not getting better and you've just been mediocre for five years, you don't deserve to suddenly get paid like somebody who's excellent. You're still mediocre. You need to go from mediocre to excellency um, or excellence, I guess, but um, <laughs> excellency works too. Uh, but, you know, and so, no, I, I think that, that it drives me crazy. And I, there, there was a culture, I don't think it's as pronounced now, but it's still around of that idea of almost like this whole like 
oh, fuck the client. Clients are so stupid. Oh, client ass one's going to be due. Clients yeah. are the worst, right? All that kind of shit. It's like, oh, you mean the people who fucking pay your bills? <laughs> Those people are the worst. The people who, you know, don't know you at all. I've never met your life, but to send you money through the interwebs, like magic. Oh yeah, they're so fucking awful. Oh, and then they, they have the audacity to ask you like, hey, how's the project going, right? Like, of course it can be annoying. You're working on some big projects and like, you know, you're like, hey, it's gonna take four weeks. And after a week, they're like, hey, can I see updates? Can you show me anything? You know, that's annoying. And you know, you yeah. can't always say, hey, no, you can't, right? Um, like you're like, hey, it's going well, but I don't want to show you anything right now. Like you have to trust me. Like that's part of our process. Um, but the idea of like that clients are like, like, you know, the whole fuck your client attitude, I, I cannot stand. So going back to, to being successful, I just think everything we do, almost everything, you're almost always a service business, whether you're like the CEO of a large publicly traded corporation, you're still in the service business, right? You still have, you have stakeholders, you have customers, and you have people that you're serving. Like we're all serving somebody. We're all in the service business. And so you need to be the best at service and then fulfillment that you could possibly be. So good communication, professional on time, like, um, you know, showing up when you're supposed to show up, doing what you say you're going to do over deliver, right? What's so wonderful when you go to a nice restaurant and they bring you a free dessert at the end, you're like, Oh, how nice is that? Right? Like, you know, you're like, Oh no, I don't want dessert. Like, well, here's like a little, you know, some chocolates or some truffles or you're like, Oh, that's so nice. Right. Do that for your clients. You're like, Hey, you asked for five emails. So there they are. Plus I decided to write you two more. Here they are. Right. Do shit like that. Like, wow, people over deliver. Um, and I just was thinking about it again today. I was telling you, Maria, right before we started about somebody who who kind of like had a crappy interaction with somebody on my team who we were hiring as like a freelancer and I messaged him with unsolicited advice. But I just was thinking if, if like all the freelancers out there just actually really like, it, there's like five things to do and it, like, there's not a lot of things. If you actually like did the, the, the very basic stuff like well, like yeah. you would almost all of them could would probably be making two to three times more money per year than they're making right now. And then those things aren't even skill related. So again, fulfillment, become the best in the world at whatever it is you're, you're doing, whatever, you know, whether it is. So, and, and if you're a business owner, same thing, like make your product the best in the world. And then, you know, the customer service, become the best in the world, world class customer service, no matter who you are, or what you do. If you just do the, those two things, I swear to you, you'll be so far ahead of 99% of your competition. It's crazy. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, I love that point, which is customer service. Um, my background, I was a customer service manager. Um, and I find that a lot of people that just do very well in, in the industry have a little bit of some kind of service business or customer service background where they did like call center stuff or sales stuff right at the beginning of the career. And it's something that you have to bring with you later on. Like when I talk to a customer now, even though, you know, maybe they're not doing very much volume or whatever, I still treat them like, you know, they're important. And I make sure that I follow up with them and, and stuff like that. Like we have to keep service levels to a certain point. Why, why would anybody want to work with me if I'm just being a jerk? You know what I mean? And I find a lot of people right now is like, Oh, well, I'm worth this and I'm worth that. And it's great. Cause I mean, so I interview some writers too. And sometimes I'm like, so what's your rate? They tell me their rate. And I'm like, why should I pay you that? And they, they can't answer. And I'm like, well, no, you know, so when, especially when you're, you're in a gig type of economy, it's like, you have to proof is in the pudding. Like, tell me I wrote this for that merchant processor and they got like X amount conversion on that ad or, or whatever. Great. You know, that's awesome. Yeah. But if you've never written for my niche and you're coming to me and you're, you're, you're telling me you're going to charge me 1500 bucks for a blog post, that's a thousand words. Well, no, thank you. You know what I mean? Like, tell me why I would pay that much for, for something, you know, benign as like a, a blog post. So, um, it's, it's good to hear that side of the coin. Cause I, 
I do feel like a lot of people are, are maybe, um, overextending themselves in terms of like, you know, what they are. Like, I don't, I don't want to misrepresent myself too. I, I, I also feel like sometimes I'm like, you know, like that, that imposter syndrome. Sometimes when I give people my rates, I like, I, like I tighten up like one second before. Um, but at the same time, we also have to keep in mind, like if, if you're looking to break out, let's say you're a health writer and you go into somebody that, you know, talk to somebody that has a finance product, well, maybe you bring your price down. Maybe you, you, you change your stuff up, or maybe you double up your work so you can prove that, yeah, I'm, I'm a good health writer, but I also, you know, I can deliver on this. So, um, that's a really interesting point. And I'm happy that, that you said that, cause I, I see a lot of these discussions and it, it makes me chuckle as a business owner. Cause I'm like, you know, money's not growing on trees. I work my ass off, you know, so I don't, I'm not going to pay you just cause you tell me that's what you're worth. You know, that's fucking stupid. Like just, you know, pro- prove it, prove it. So that's, that's the, 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 the point of that is prove it. Uh, yeah. I'm going to like completely shift focus. And this is just, again, uh, I read a lot of your stuff on social media, emails and all that. And I'm, I'm curious curious about the stuff that you were saying. I think it was like, must have been around Christmas time. So, but it's stuck in my head. So that's good. That's proof, proof that your, 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 your stuff is working on me. Uh, you were talking about like live selling, uh, how it's like becoming a trend and stuff like that. So I'm kind of curious, kind of pivoting from copywriting and pivoting from, from this, t- the, the, the topics we just discussed, but literally offer owners and people who are selling like right now we have a very traditional model you know you write a long form sales copy you do a vsl you have a couple of upsells and so forth how do you see that model changing and you know and and obviously if you can give me your thoughts on live selling totally yeah so around christmas time i took a couple weeks off which was very it it wasn't like a full-on how do i say this i took time off from like from all the stuff i normally do basically and instead of that i was like spent a ton, ton of time with my family, but then also I spent time like reading and thinking and, and stuff like that, which was so magical. And uh, as I was doing that and going through just, just both like tons of books, but also, um, you know, like different websites I was interested in. So like, you know, Venture Beat, TechCrunch, um, and like I read the Wall Street Journal and just like all these different like entrepreneur, Forbes, Fortune, blah, 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 blah. Um, but I kind of started to see like I'd read one thing about live streaming, live stream selling before that, and kind of like was in the back of my mind. But then I started seeing it coming up more and more and more. And basically, we're talking about like live stream selling. We're talking kind of QVC style selling, but done on Facebook Lives or Instagram Lives, or Amazon is like beta testing a platform for it. Or um, now there's a bunch of third party platforms as well. So like where you go on, you know, you're talking with your tribe, you're selling products. You say you have like 500 of them, like you know you're you like you actually sell live people can buy as we go and you're really just doing this kind of like qvc type of selling through live streaming it was really you know at its essence there's variance but that's sort of what it is at its essence um you know like, okay yeah that's kind of interesting and they're like yeah totally it's 65 billion dollar a year business in china and they're just fucking crushing wow. it with it and it's projected to be like a 330 billion dollar a year industry in the u.s by like 2023 or something stupid like that and wow. you're like oh shit i should probably pay attention I'm not, the, the, the China one's pretty much 100% accurate. The US one, I'm not, I can't have three thirty. So It was some crazy number that's supposed to be in the US. Yeah. And so, yeah, and it makes sense because really, I think we're at a place where people crave authenticity, community, and, um, you know, they want like interactions, things that are interactive. They don't like static. I, I think like, you know, the road of, so much of the, the road of marketing used to be static. Like uh, we, we, we talked about direct response and online being different. We talked about TV ads being static because you're at home, you're watching the ads going on. You know, you can't really respond to it except for if you go buy a Ford and like next time you're buying a new car because you saw <laughs> all those Ford ads, right? 
You're like, great. Um, but in reality, like, which I'd like, with the internet, you could get feedback, you know, with your ads and you could optimize stuff. So it sort of felt like, oh, that's better. But it wasn't really, you weren't having a true conversation. And then it's like, oh, on social media, you're having a kind of like Gary Vaynerchuk comes out with jab, jab, hook or whatever. And it's like having conversations. You're like, yeah, but then you're not really selling. You're like, you're building up goodwill and you're like building up your brand. But I think that the, the outgrowth of all of this comes into like the idea of, of live stream selling and things like that, where you're going live, you're having conversations with consumers and customers, you're building relationships, you're being real, authentic and vulnerable, and you're selling your product and you're telling the story. So, so it's copywriting galore, right? You're still storytelling, you're storytelling, you know, about you and your experiences, about this product, about how it came to be made. You're selling stories about the ingredients. Um, and then you're doing call to actions. You're like, all right, we've only got 150 left you know, click below and buy right now. Um, and it's, I know other brands that funnily enough here in the U S who have kind of done it like accidentally and had tons of success, but it's just not a big thing here yet. Um, and I really think it will be. So I am wanting to do it with my own sort of team. Like we've talked with a few people. Um, I'm doing so many things that it's one of those pain in the ass where it's like, Oh God, I want to, like, I'm going full steam of this. And it's like, yeah, actually I've got like 20 other things. So I'm not, but I really think there's no agency. There's no you know, somebody's going to come in and just own that space really hard. Yeah. Maybe it's like Guthrie Ranker type thing and create like a billion dollar company. Um, so if any of you who watch this do that and start to get momentum, let me know so I can invest in you. It'd be great. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I just, I heard about that and you know, we see so much on social media. So for me to actually remember something, I was like, man, that's, that's actually, I, I, I started talking about it to, to just people. I was like, man, I, you know, it's, it's definitely where it's at. Like people want to interact people, the whole influencer model, you know, you, you know, how many times I've bought something because like, I don't know, uh, Ariana Grande put it on her hair and I was like, Oh man, her hair looks great. I'm going to buy it. You know what I mean? So it's like, <laughs> so I mean, it's just the next step to that. So it's, it's, uh, I mean, I would love, I would love to see what you do in that space and, uh, and, and how I'm, I'm sure you're going to crush it, but you know, any ventures that you have, um, I'm curious to know, you know, if you're live selling and like, this becomes a thing, where do you see copywriting and all this? Like, are copywriters going to write the copy for the person to read? Do you think it's going to be that scripted or you think it's going to be like off the cuff and like, where's it going basically? Yeah, I think that it'll be both. I think you'll have people who just feel so much more comfortable with the script. And so they'll have like a more scripted approach and then hopefully still go off script some. So obviously copywriters are, are writing that. Um, and I think even if like they aren't writing the full script, I think I can see the copywriters still storyboarding kind of like, like, like here's like the points we're going to talk about here are the different segments, but then here you're going to tell stories and helping, you know, as a consultants, right. Helping the person who's in your life to draw out the stories, to draw out the talking points, to kind of list them out for them. Um, okay. You know, I, I think that's all the the purview and domain of copywriters still. So I actually think there's a ton of crazy opportunities for copywriters um, in that space moving forward. Oh, another. So we have email copywriting, live selling copywriting, long sales form copywriting. We have a, a whole bunch of niches, but it's oh, yeah. it's super interesting. I mean, I feel like uh, this space is changing, but I also think that it's just, you have to have like, in order to be successful now, it's like this multi, 10 multi-prong approach. Like you got to, you know, have ads dialed in, um, email copywriting. You have to have the VSL. You have to have the the regular long form sales letter now, like live uh, selling. I feel like it's it's hard to pick a lane 
insane because, you know, the people who are really making it are probably, you know, investing in all of these things and really trying to at least crush a couple of them. So it's, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see where it's at. Cause I feel like we're, we're, we're due for something big to change in, in direct response. Like we've been using this model for a number of years. Um, so, you know, in, interesting to see. So, uh, Stefan, thank you so much for your time. I do have a couple of like, just random stuff. I'm just going to throw out some questions. Um, so I, I also follow your wife, Laura. So you guys are like the, the dream team power couple. And, and I see Laura writes a lot of like asks questions about crypto. So I'm going to ask you something just random. It's like not even about copywriting. Where sure. do you think crypto is going? Uh, I think that Bitcoin will hit a hundred thousand this year. I think after that, I don't know where it goes from there. I think long-term I'm still bullish on Bitcoin. Um, and I think that's interesting. You know, a lot of the voices and people would say, oh, it's going to hit 40,000, 50,000 and got proved out to be right. I think it, you know, it took some time. We're in like the second wave, right? Well, at least the second wave. I mean, I was really deep in crypto in 2000, I guess, 17 into 18. And, and it was super annoying because like I you know, was guys who like I knew everyone knew it was a bubble. And I'm like, no, I mean, it really is a bubble right now. <laughs> and so I sold some of my stuff, but other stuff I just kept for too long, you know, and then started going down and then I didn't want to sell it. But even that stuff, it's like, I, I've had stuff I've been holding since 2017. And okay. so it's like, I don't know, like, you know, 8X in the last like, you know, six months or whatever. Um, so I'm actually quite happy with all that. Um, you know, I think that, so yeah, I think Bitcoin keeps going up. I think I think Bitcoin is, is more so though a store of value and digital gold type of thing than um, really, you know, the answer from a transactional Payment, perspective, yeah. right? Like it's just not very good solution for payments, but it's great as a store of value. I think that the payment side, I'm curious who's going to win there, right? I mean, yeah. Ethereum is actually not that great from a payment perspective, but it's great because nope. like a, it's a great as an, an infrastructure and an architecture. Um, they're working on Ethereum 2.0, there's Cardano, there's you know so many other things. Um, I think crypto is going to dominate more. I, 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 crypto is not going to, it's definitely not a fad. It's definitely not a flash. Like there may be large fluctuations. I mean, the whole, the way the markets, you know, everything, whether we're talking like, you know, the equity markets or like crypto and whatever, like everything's going shit crazy right now. Nobody knows. Yeah. Um, but it's insane. yeah, I'm, it is, it is insane. But um, no, I like crypto. My most annoying thing is I don't invest as much as I should. Cause I'm like, Ugh, it's a pain in the ass. Like I think my bank's going to like be annoyed when I try to wire this money into like Coinbase and from Coinbase, I'm going to send it over here to wherever. And then like, uh, and then like I, but honestly, it's like, I could probably have, you know, made just obscene amounts of money if I wasn't lazy. Um, but I keep, it's on my list. Like I like, I don't, I, I don't have that much Bitcoin right now, but even though I'd, I'd still buy more Bitcoin. Um, okay. So yeah, that's my take. So, 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 so you're, you're, you're liking Bitcoin, you're seeing it progress, which is interesting. So just a one last one, just cause I, I'm, I'm curious okay. about your thoughts. You, you know, you know so much about everything. So I feel like it's, it's just pertinent, even though it's not maybe your specialty. Um, but I'm curious in terms of like, you know, I don't want to talk about COVID specifically, but wh where do you think, you know, uh, do you think that life is going to get back to normal in like a year from now? Like people are just going to start going back to restaurants or, or do you think that like work is now shifting completely online? We're going back to the gig economy. I know it's a huge topic. I'm just looking for like a Stefan's thoughts, you know, just sure. like off the cuff. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I have thought about this a lot. So, um, I don't think that we're gonna have a total shift to like remote work. I think that you already kind of seen it with some of the big Silicon Valley companies that were like, everyone can go remote. And now they're like, well, eh, actually, <laughs> right. And we saw that with Yahoo back in the day when Melissa Mayer let like the whole workforce go remote and then Yahoo tanked and she was like, oh, whoopsie. Um, I just think, <laughs> look at the end of the day, like a lot of people just are not gonna get shit done once they work remotely. 
Um, they're going to get some stuff done, but the, you know, efficiency, productivity go downhill. And you can argue, well, yeah, but your workers are happier, you know, maybe they do more in less time. And they're like, sure, but let's measure it. And when, for big companies, when they measured it, turns out their workers are happier, but productivity and efficiency have all gone downhill. Mm-hmm. It's like, it, it's just not, and it depends on the person. For there's exceptions, of course, right? There's the go-getters out there, but it doesn't matter where they are, they're just going to crush it because they're just like workhorses and machines and tanks and like, God bless them. But so from big companies, I don't think we're going all remote. Um, I think we'll actually go back to the office and, and, and people will be surprised by how many people do. I think that the side hustle kind of gig economy is definitely not going anywhere. I think that is growing. I think people during a pandemic like this, the tremendous thing that we'll see over a longer period of time is all the people who've realized that there are ways to make money online, you know, whether it's e-com or services mm-hmm. or like, you know, going back to the adult industry of like OnlyFans, right? Like there's a million options out there and there's only going to be more options. So I think that a larger percentage of the work, I honestly almost can see a stratification or bifurcation to use Cation words, um, right? Where like, you've got the big massive mega corporations, which, you know, are going to have a ton of employees and and the tech companies, is a lot of high skilled laborers. You've got the Walmarts of the road, which are not really going anywhere. And those are generally lower skilled laborers. Um, but I think there's the, the big companies. And then I think, I think, I think you'll see maybe honestly more death of mom and pop stores, which is sad, but I think it's not all sad because a lot of people doing the more independent businesses will just be moving online more rapidly. So it's going to leave us in a weird place in a way, because you're going to have, you know, massive like kind of corporations. And then I think a whole, a large class of people who are gig based. And I don't think that goes away. Um, as far as society going back to normal in general, um, I think kind of, I think, I think that, you know, yeah, restaurants, I, it's just so tough because there's all those articles about COVID might be here to stay and like, you know, maybe we'll wear masks forever. And I kind of just feel like at a certain point, people will hit the breaking point with that and be like, no, be like, yeah, like, nah, I'm not going to wear a mask, right? Um, so yeah, those are my predictions. And for us, oh, my predictions are actually pretty accurate sometimes. Like, you know, it's you funny. That's why, that's why I yeah. did this because yeah. I know I, I, your predictions are pretty accurate. So no, I, I agree with you. I feel like for me, like my challenge now is, you know, as we're hiring and we're, we're building the team and so forth is like, how do you build a culture? If you like people are never in the same room, how do you have that? Like, Hey, what's up? You know? So, um, it's, it's interesting that you say that, that, you know, that we're going to shift back and as quickly as everybody shifted to online working, do you think it's going to be like that? Like kind of like, okay, July 1st or September 1st, everybody go back. Or you think it's going to be more like a two, three year kind of road back? Uh, yeah, I think too. I think like I, some companies will try and do it really fast. I think what you, what will happen is they'll, they'll do it with like a percentage of their workforce. People will come back. People will start complaining. Some people will quit. There'll be a lot of press and articles about how it's this big problem companies are having now because they can't retain <laughs> people. But then at the end of the day, they'll be like, oh, great. Like, we'll just hire somebody else who wants to get paid like a six-figure salary to like work at fucking yeah. Facebook or whatever, Google. And then, you know, the, it'll it'll go back to normal. I think it might take a couple of years, but I think within a couple of years, um, yeah, I think most people for big companies will be in office. Back at work. Okay. Maybe, you know, maybe a little bit perks of like, you can have up to four weeks of remote time per year, right? Stuff like that as like a okay. perk maybe. But, but generally, yeah, I think within, within three years, like the vast majority of people were back in offices. 
Cool. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm looking forward to going back to like where I'm in Canada and we were like severe lockdown. So we actually can't go, uh, myself personally, I kind of like going to the office once in a while. I'm, I'm not a like five day a week office person, but you know, oh. a couple of days a week, I don't, you know, I like seeing people and having coffees, but I guess because I'm a business owner and I get to make my own schedule, I, I guess it's less annoying for me than it is for others. But anyway, Stefan, thank you so much. This was a great conversation. I love the unscripted and I love all your answers and you know um definitely i'm a big fan of of your work and uh keep crushing it and and thanks again for for all your time and your awesome answers yeah absolutely thank you maria i'm so glad we got to do this and looking forward to having you on my podcast in a few months i would love to have you there too and i, I know you signed up so i can't wait for that for sure thanks Stefan. have a great day hope you found today's session valuable if you have any questions for me or just want to connect, please feel free to visit my website, mariasparagis.com. That's M-A-R-I-A-S-P-A-R-A-G-I-S.com. I'd love to hear what you're working on. So drop me a line on any hot button issues your business is experiencing. And remember, don't worry about failure. You only have to be right once. 